It's the Sticks and Bricks podcast where we take a look at all the parts, pieces, and situations that come up every single day in your home building business so you can listen, learn, and take action to build a business that's as strong as your homes. I'm your host, Brad Hubbard. Thanks for listening. As I look at the calendar, it's that time of year again, and all across the country, home shows and other events to get people excited about building a new home start to happen. And many of those events are organized and run by local builders associations. Seeing the early promotion of our local show got me to thinking about our local home builders association and the times that I had spent attending events and even serving on the board in the past. Now, when I was involved, the board often spoke about retaining and growing its membership, and that's nothing new. Associations everywhere struggle with the same thing and all need to keep changing to adapt to each generation of new members. So I was happy that Jerry Leach, the executive director of the Home Builders Association of Metropolitan Harrisburg, set aside some time for a frank discussion on how his association has changed over time and how they're staying relevant in our fast-changing world. We talk about how associations need to continue to adapt to provide value to their members. So let's jump over to the discussion, and I'd be happy to hear of things that your local associations are doing that you find are outside the box and are retaining and even growing membership. This week on Sticks and Bricks Podcast, I happen to have Jerry Leach, longtime friend of ours and executive vice president at the Harrisburg Home Builders Association. Uh, welcome, Jerry. Thanks for uh, being a guest here today. Hey, thanks for having me on, Brad. I really look forward to it. Right. Now, you, we've known, our families have known each other for quite a long time, and um, certainly uh, you have a long, long experience from the home builder side, and now you're kind of on the association side, or you aren't kind of, you are on the association side. Uh, do you want to yep. give, uh, give the listeners just a little bit of your background, you know, what all you've done in the past, how you've got to be where you are today? Well, Brad, I'm not even sure you know how far back we go as family. <laughs> Maybe uh, not. But my... In, in about uh, a little over 30 days, I'm going to turn 60 years old, Holy which is hard for, me to, hard for me to believe. But, uh, I'll pretend like that's far told, away for me. I'll pretend it's not that far, yeah. but anyway. My, my mother told me uh, one time when I asked about your dad and my dad, she said, well, they go back. She said, I can tell you that, uh, that Mr. Hubbard used to stop at our house every day on his way home from work, and you would sit on his lap in your diaper. So. <laughs> That's go. a long way back. That is yeah, a long but, way back. <laughs> yeah, your your dad and I, mine were were pioneers in this business. That's for sure. And uh, I think we both learned a lot from them. But uh, and I, I learned a lot from. I was fortunate to learn a lot from both because I worked for both my father and your father, and mm -hmm. and learned a lot about this uh, building business. Been in it for over forty years, and thirty as my own uh, company. Mm -hmm. And then um, when the downturn happened, and uh, 2008, uh, I didn't have anything to build, and I went to work for the Pennsylvania Builders Association for five years, and I served as the director of building codes, nice. and uh, basically fought fought the codes and tried to keep them reasonable, and uh, probably the biggest accomplishment was repealing the sprinklers here in Pennsylvania, working yeah. with the legislature and doing that, sure. and uh, got back in the business a little bit here for a few years, and uh, Last year, as a, as a member of the Harrisburg Builders Association, uh, our uh, uh, executive vice president, David Shepard, was retiring, and I was on the board of directors, and somebody on the board said, you know, we might have his replacement sitting right here at the table. And uh, it took a little while to go through a process, but uh, I've been there just a little over a year now, and uh, I really enjoy it. 
Nice, nice. You're at the right place at the right time, it sounds like. Uh, I think that's exactly what happened there. <laughs> well, good. Well, I, I was uh, certainly, when we were in business too, we were members of the Harrisburg uh, Home Builders Association um, or Home Builders Association of Metro Harrisburg, I think is the official title on that too. And yeah. you know, I was on the board for you know, a few years as well. So I knew a lot of the different things that happened over the time, um, just in terms of the events and those types of things. And the reason why I wanted to really bring you in on this is obviously now that you've crossed over to that side rather than be on the home builder side too, is just really to have kind of a frank conversation to say, hey, you know, how have home builders associations changed? And I know you can't speak blanket for everybody, but you certainly can for the one you're involved with, but how have they changed just with the change in times, the change in technology, you know, are, what are you seeing that's um, better or worse? Those types of things. So I'm hoping, you know, through some questions, we can just kind of see where things stand. Well, in, in some ways, they, they're the same as they've been for 30 years, but in, in a lot of ways, they've changed. And at first, I think the thing that hasn't changed is the core value that a lot of times people miss. And that's what I touched on earlier was the, the legislation and the lobbying and I mean, that's what trade associations are really formed for. That's the whole idea is to bring a group of like-minded people together and say, what, what can we do to, to get government out of our hair mm -hmm. and to make things better for our members? And that's, you know, the, the builders associations have been around for a little over 50 years. And, uh, and that's really the core value. That's the core thing we do. But yet over the years, uh, you just keep expanding the services, looking to attract more people into the uh, association. So you start offering, you know, different benefits like rebate packages and insurance packages and mm -hmm. things that if you join the association, you can save dollars in this way. And, uh, you know, our, our membership is uh, $655 and you get Harrisburg, Pennsylvania and National Association memberships for that. Okay. But the average member saves about twice that per year just in rebates and, and things that uh, savings that they can they can uh, feel mm. uh, through through rebate type programs, insurance programs and, and the like. And then, of course, there's the networking. And that's the other thing that, uh, you know, about a third of our members really uh, look forward to is just the idea to network with one another. And we we strongly encourage uh member to member, you know, doing business with, with one another. And uh, we just had a, uh, an event last night where you could see guys uh, working, working the networking side of it. Nice. Yeah, I think I was part of a chili cook-off a long time ago, uh, ago when my daughter was really young. And uh, she came, we had a little chef hat on, and we didn't win. And all oh, she cried, and uh, she's probably embarrassed. I hope she doesn't listen to this, uh, that I'm telling this. But uh, I felt bad, and they gave her an award anyway. I said, no, no, don't teach her that she can cry and get anything. So, but, uh, but it was nice. It was just those type of things to bring folks together. And on Yeah, the, we, just, we, we just had that event uh, about three weeks ago, had the mm. chili cook-off. Yeah. Gotta love chili. Gotta love chili. So, <laughs> uh, the legislative side is kind of funny because a lot of times, even when I was involved, a lot of the legislative side, maybe I you know, was just younger at the time and didn't think as much about that. But I always kind of uh, shied away from that myself only because, you know, sometimes you get disgusted with government, but maybe that was the very reason I should be involved because, you know, you, you think sometimes you can't do anything. And it, it, what successes have you had in some of the legislation that you had? I know you said the sprinkler thing. We know that was a really, really big event here in at least Pennsylvania um, and getting that repealed uh, or at least 
brought back a little bit, I guess. It wasn't completely repealed, but I think is more sensible now. Yeah. The, well, the sprinklers were, were coming on the, the national level, the ICC, and they, they got adopted at that level. Then they got adopted in Pennsylvania. And they were actually in place for single and multifamily homes uh, for about three months. But uh, with the election of Governor Corbett and the swing in the legislature, we were fortunate enough to uh, write a piece of legislation that repealed them in uh, one and two family dwellings. They're still uh, multifamily and townhouses. You have to have them. But uh, it was it was something that was just not right uh, and especially not right for the time as uh, we were in, in the recession yet, there yet in 2009-10 when it was coming through. It adds about $10,000 to the cost of a house. Sure does. Uh, every $1,000 added to the cost of a house drives about 200,000 people nationwide out of the housing market. And so you can imagine that's, that's over 2 million people that wouldn't be able to build a house in an economy that was already struggling. So the, the timing wasn't good for it. And, and quite frankly, if a person wants sprinklers, they can simply ask their builder to put them in, and, and uh, I'm sure they would. So it mm-hmm. really needed to be where it has always been, and that was an option. Uh, recently here, we, uh, we passed another piece of legislation that kind of moved through quietly, uh, and we haven't really had a lot of fanfare on it. And sometimes our lobbyists tell us that's the best way to, to move a piece of legislation, but it was, uh, right. it was called, <clears throat> it was called kayak. And I, I wish I would, uh, taken the time to figure out exactly. I forget what that, that means, but, uh, construction and aid, uh, something. But it was uh, a bill that uh, stopped a tax that was about to be levied on developers of 40% of the cost of the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And basically, if you put in a uh, million dollars worth of water lines in your new development to carry water to your new homes that you're going to build, you would pay the municipality 400000 in a tax. Holy and God. the idea the idea of this new tax was just to put money back for future maintenance. And it was just uh, unbelievable that something could be taxed that heavily. But um, the Pennsylvania Builders Association and our local uh, were very successful in having that uh, uh, put back in the legislature. Matter of mm-hmm. fact, I've never seen and I've been in working in the legislature or in and out of it in different capacities for most of that 30 years. And it was a unanimous in the House and the Senate, uh, every legislator voted to, for this bill, and I've never seen that in, in 30 years. But wow. it uh, it saves it saves the developer, the builder, and really in the end the consumer sure. an average of about five thousand dollars per building lot or per home. No, definitely, because you're certainly as a developer and builder, you're not pocketing that and and not doing anything with it. You have to pass the cost on. And it's kind of funny because you know, a lot of the same municipalities and and we're speaking even some of the larger ones, let's say, um, you know, are really looking for the affordable housing, yet it's kind of contradictory when they're trying to do one thing but going the other way and preaching to the choir into that. So so have have you found uh, the next generation kind of coming into play. So now I'm starting to put my you know old man glasses on and say, Hey, the young, the young ones coming in, you know, are, are they still engaged or as engaged as let's say those of us who are more veteran in the association? Are you, are you finding them more or how's that really changed with the newer generations? It, it has changed a, a lot and it's not really just in our business or in our association. 
it, it seems to be everywhere. I used to be a member of the Rotary Club and the Kiwanis and all those things, and and they all are lacking uh, this generation of, uh, I'm going to say, the 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. But I'm starting to see it now when, they, when they're getting into their mid to late 30s, they're starting to engage a little bit more. And we're seeing some of those folks coming into our association. As a matter of fact, our president this year, uh, Josh Joffe of Tri-Corner Communities, mm-hmm. is uh, 38 years old. He's the president of our association. Nice. And we're, we're seeing more of that, but they certainly engage in a different way. I, I can remember at that age, I was very active, but you know, I might get home at 10 or 11 o'clock from a meeting or, or something, that, an activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, this generation, we're finding, they'll come to an event right after work, whatever time they, they get off, they'll swing by, they'll stop in, they'll have a beer, they'll talk, they'll network, just like we did last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but an hour or two is it. And then they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to get home to the family and the kids and things like that. So the, they're very, very conscious of their time. And uh, they manage your time very well. But I'm, I'm encouraged to see more and more young people getting, at least getting involved to that level. Good. Now, your new president, has he been bringing different ideas at this point to help kind of bridge that gap between those younger and those older? Is that a fair question well, to ask? He just, he, well, he just came into office uh, January 1, and his installation banquet is uh, February 28th. Oh, okay. So, so uh, too early to tell you. Times. <laughs> we, we've met a couple times. So it's a little early to tell, but he's uh, he's a great guy. He's full of energy, and and he has a he always has a lot of great ideas. So I'm looking forward to working with him. Oh, fantastic, fantastic! Now, how about social media? I mean, that that's obviously big time these days. And I was just kind of curious how that's impacted HVA. Have you kind of upped marketing on that, or um, you know, how basically from an association, are you guys you feel you're have a pretty good handle of social media or is it still something you're trying to figure out uh, or do you have folks on staff who really do know it and, and are using it quite often? Well, I, I have to confess, I, I love social media. I'm on it all the time and I use it personally and with my business before I came with the HBI, I use it quite a bit. And we, it's a big part of our communication, both internal and external. Mm-hmm. Uh, internal being how we communicate to our members and external, how we communicate to um you know, the, the masses, but it really is as much as you don't think it would, it really re- requires a lot of staff commitment. I okay. used to think, well, I'll, uh, you know, when I get home this evening, I'll, I'll post some things on our social media and I would do that. And before long, you know, you're falling behind. And, and as a local association, we're engaging more and more every day on it, but uh, we have a way to go before I'll be satisfied with our efforts. And I'm just going to have to start putting more staff time into it to really do it right. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I was talking, I mean, there's just, it depends on the social media too, I'm sure. And and I uh, spoke with someone a while back in terms of Twitter, and that's just one I have not figured out personally. But, um, you know, there, there's just some you have to pick and choose and decide which is the best one to go with. Yeah, yeah. Have, have you found, I know some of the things that um, HBA had, had done in the past that I always liked going to are a lot of the classes, the educational opportunities. Are you still offering a lot of those or they changed or, you know, people now go to YouTube and search up about anything? I was just kind of curious if, if that's changed for you too or if you're seeing less of those than you used to or, you know, easier, harder to get the get well, people in the door. It's, it's, it's hard to get them in the door for 
for one main reason, and that is there's there's no licensure laws for builders, remodelers, uh, or tradesmen in Pennsylvania. So they don't have the requirement of co- continuing education sure. like realtors do and some of these other folks that are licensed. So it kind of comes in waves. When the new codes get adopted, you know, I found myself very busy, you know, two, three times a week traveling around the state giving codes classes mm-hmm. for builders that wanted to get up on top of codes. And once they had that education and that knowledge, they were good for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's tough to do. Now, we just did a, a class last week on the uh, EPA lead certification class for the lead removal for remodelers. Mm-hmm. And that's a certification that's required now. And it's a five-year certification. And I guess five years ago, there was a big wave of it came through. People got trained and, and certified, and now their their certifications were ending. So we hosted a class last week, and we had a number of guys come in and get their certifications updated. But without that, uh, licensures or requirements for continuing ed, it's, it's tough to really do education like you'd like to because, let's face it, our guys are busy. They want to be out in the field. They want to be out making money. If they can get the cliff notes, hit the high parts, mm-hmm. tell me just what I need to know, and they're out the door, back to work. Makes sense on that, too. So let's talk uh, another event that you guys put on every year, have done forever, has been your home show. And I know that's coming up very soon. How's that really evolved over time? I haven't been in a number of years. I know there for a while, especially through the recession, it was tough, uh, you know, tough to fill the hall and those types of things. I've known it's kind of evolved now. That's not necessarily called the home show. I know it's a brand new name. I've seen that from your marketing. It's out there. And um, so tell me a little bit about that and what you're doing to make it kind of the event that folks should come out to, whether they're, you know, exhibiting from the contractor and the, the builder and remodeler side to those, you know, looking for something to do over the weekend. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, and you're correct, it's it's evolved or really shrunk considerably over the years. And that's a trend that's across the United States. As I, I meet with my counterparts from other states, uh, you hear the same thing. They're just not what they used to be. And it's, I, I really think it's our culture and our buying habits. I mean, even five years ago, I never logged into Amazon to buy something. And, and I, I sit with my phone and something pops in my head and Next thing you know, I'm pushing three buttons and it's at my door in two days. Yep. So our, our shopping habits have tra- changed dramatically mm-hmm. and we have to adapt to it. So the, 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 as you mentioned, what we used to call the builder show, the home show, mm-hmm. is now the home and garden show. And we're trying to reach out to more people to mm-hmm. say, well, it's almost spring. The show is February 27, 28, 29, March 1st. You know, you, you might want to be looking at your lawn and landscaping things as well as you know, the home uh, maintenance repair or the uh, addition or remodeling or maybe a new home. So mm-hmm. we we aren't just a show with aisles full of vendors offering building industry things. We, we found it. It has to be more of a destination and an experience for people, sure. almost a, a family affair. You know, we we not only uh, have things for the remodeling, the household repairs, et cetera, but, uh, you know, we, we're offering... Uh, all all different things for for folks to bring the the kids out. Uh, we have um, we had Zoo America last year, painting parties. This uh, senator Harrisburg senators, the Hershey Bears mascot. This year we have Clyde Peeling's Reptile Land. Wow! And uh, we have high school students in the trades competition, competing with our remodeler members. 
Uh, we have wine and spirits vendors, skills competitions for the kids, uh, Lego contests. So there's, there's something for everybody. So we really try to make it a destination and event for the family. There's something for everybody. And uh, the other thing I think is that, that maybe some of our, our members or people in the industry are missing that aren't in the show. And by the way, there are still some spaces left. But while we don't have the traffic and people buy differently today than they, than they did over the years, they still need the major purchase of a new home, an addition, uh, uh, remodeling is still going to happen face-to-face. Nobody's going to log on, point, click, and buy a new house. Mm-hmm. They're going to need that face-to-face. And we put five to 10,000 people in front of our vendors in four days. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're not going to get that in their showrooms or their offices in a month, some of them even in a year. So it's still a great uh, thing for the people to come see. And it's a, it's a great opportunity for people in the building industry to participate in as well. Yeah. And I, and I think you're right. I mean, again, it's kind of quality over quantity at some, sometimes I know back um, probably when we last were in it, you know, we were in business at the time at the point it was that recession. Everybody was hoping for something and it was really tough to put out the dollars. You, you said, boy, I don't know my return on investment, but in reality, you know, those that were coming out were truly the ones that, you know, you just didn't need numbers that came and would pick up the free, uh, you know, free giveaways <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. People that actually yeah. you could sit and talk to. And it's kind of nice sometimes because you didn't, when it was super, super busy, I'm talking back in the eighties when I was a kid and would go and I'd run around and get all the freebies, those types of things. I mean, it was just so crazy. It was just kind of like, you know, the numbers going through, you didn't get a chance to talk to anybody, but as it kind of slowed down, it's really the, it is a nice way to do that. You get to, you're not rushed. You can give people as much quality time as they need and, uh, you know, give yourself up as a, as a home building professional. In, in my case as, Hey, this is a quality person and they take the time to know what I want. So I think that that's a very, very important part, uh, point that you just, just said there. Yeah. Yep. Good. Now, have you had uh, other, I know we talked a little bit about other events that you had on there too. Any other larger scale events that uh, you bring in or is this pretty much your, your kind of keystone event that you work for each year? Well, this is, this is our, our biggest uh, revenue driver uh, that we have for the association. And again, it's the, it's really the biggest one in central Pennsylvania, if not the whole state. I'm heading to Philly tomorrow to check out their show in Pittsburgh next week. Mm-hmm. But I believe we, we still are, if not the biggest, one of the biggest shows uh, for people to see in, in central Pennsylvania. But on top of that, we, we do, uh, uh, it'll be coming up this spring, will be the Pyramid Awards. It's kind of our Oscars, our Academy Awards for our builders. It's a, it's a really a, a black tie event where the, the best of the best celebrate the, you know, their, their winning in their categories. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a nice event coming up at the end of April. Obviously, we do a couple golf tournaments. And then in the fall, we have our parade of homes, which is, uh, mm-hmm. I think we had close to 40 homes this past fall that you could see on the both the east and west shore. And we kind of uh, spiced that up a little bit with uh, an event called the Chefs on Parade, where we had four homes nice. with chefs in them. Mm-hmm. You could go a day early ahead of the crowd if you wanted to buy a ticket and go in and see the homes and have some gourmet food and hors d'oeuvres and drinks and things. And it, it was a nice event too. And on top of that, we, we have, uh, we, we offer a lot of networking things. I just mentioned last night, well, mm-hmm. chili cook off was, was January's event last night. 
uh, we were at uh, Newfangled Brewery, which is a new microbrew, and uh, just had a networking event to bring our associate members in to, to network with our builder members. It was a real nice event. Everybody had a good time with that. When the weather warms up, we do a uh, food truck series right there at our uh, association uh, uh, office. We have a, an acre of grass. We pull in food trucks and set up uh, some games like uh, uh, the uh, cornhole and things like that. Set some picnic tables around and uh, the people in our industrial or our business park come over and, and break bread with us. And our members get to meet them and network with them. And it's, a, it's just a good time. So. We try to offer something in the networking to let the associates and the builder members all get together at least once a month. Well, that's nice to hear. I mean, from the time when I was actively involved there, it sounds like you have a lot more things you're doing and, and you're adapting. And I think that's just fantastic. Now, you'd mentioned times they get builders together with associates. I know you have builder memberships, you have associate memberships, and um, kind of in your thought, and I always say I never know if it's a fair question, but I ask anyway. Do you have any guess on who you think gets the most value out of a membership, the builders or the associates? And, and why would you think one or the other? Again, I don't know if it's fair, but I'm asking. Well, no, that's a fair question. And I, I personally think it's like anything else in life. It's you get out of it what you put into it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it can be equal. I mean, builders are, are going to, uh, you know, they're going to find value in, in meeting the right associate members that can, sell them the products they want or need or, or list their house for them or get them a mortgage. And actually uh, a real good example is uh, one of my, probably my first week on the job, I had a, a bank come in and, and uh, they wanted to join and, you know, they wanted to know what, what do, what, what could happen here with us joining the builders association. And I explained to them all the benefits and all the networking and things. And I had, I handed them a business card from a builder who came in the day before and he said, uh, I need some financing. I need a bank to finance some houses that I have VA loans for, but I need construction financing. And I handed him the card. I said, call this guy, see if you can help him out. Hmm. And uh, about three months later, he comes in the door and says, I wanted to thank you. He said, those guys financed all four of my houses. I hmm. built six more, and I'm building a house for the mortgage originator. How about so, that? You know, there's, <laughs> there, there's uh, you know, win-win, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so like that's kind of stuff that, that, and that's the kind of things that can happen. And I, and I saw it firsthand last night. We were talking about, uh, you know, I had a flooring, uh, a guy in the flooring business was talking to me about getting uh, some townhomes from one of our builders. And, you know, I know that's going to be a, a big project for him. And he's going to he's going to profit from that. And I'm sure the, uh, the builder's happy to have, have met him and and uh, made the connection. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Now I want to circle back just real quick on um, one item we were talking a little bit about before, just to get your thoughts on it too. You talked about how builders weren't necessarily licensed in Pennsylvania. Now there is sort of the framework for that, is or not? Does it still have the annual contractor license they need? And I, I know when it first started, it really seemed like it was just a way to generate some revenue. It was just you pay a fee and it was every two years or every year you had to update that. Is that still valid? And uh, is that sort of the underpinnings of what could be continuing education? Or is that now gone by the wayside? I'm guessing you're talking about the home improvement contractor licensing? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, first first off, that, uh, well, that came out of the Attorney General's office. And mm -hmm. I was at PBA when that, that got launched. And we, had, as a, a state association, had fought 
had fought against that licensure for 12 years. Mm-hmm. And at some point when a, when a bill gets legs and it's going to start to move, you have to decide, you know, are you going to continue to fight and lose? Or are you going to get on board and try to make it something reasonable for your members? And that's what mm-hmm. we did back in 2008, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was basically the attorney general's office said this, this bill is going to become a law. We're going to uh, create uh, a registration. And I think the, the licensure is, is really a misnomer. It's really mm-hmm. a registration. Exactly. But right. It, right. It, it's for, first of all, it's for home improvement contractors. So it does not apply to a builder of new homes. Uh, okay. So I guess we were doing build, some remodeling. That's why we have it. So, right. If you, if you build strictly build new homes, you don't have to register. You're not involved in it at all. But if you're going to do remodeling home renovations of any type, it's really pretty simple. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's just mm-hmm. a revenue driver for the sure. Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, they set it up in the fact that you go online and you, you register you simply have to show them that you have liability insurance, give them contact information and pay them $50 and you get a two year registration. Right. It is, it is not a license. A lot of guys say I'm licensed in Pennsylvania. It's really not a license. Uh, the definition of license comes with, uh, that that's something that requires continuing education. And this doesn't have that component to it. There's, there's some people that, would like to see it expanded to new home builders or some people would like to see it expanded to continuing ed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's about a 50, 50 split in our association. We have uh, on the state statewide, we have guys in certain areas of the state that say, if we got licensed as new home builders, we'd flush out the fly by night guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would have truly have a better uh, quality of builder. And then there's others that just see it as another level of government red tape that they don't want to see. So sure. it gets debated about every several years and it just never really goes anywhere. So it's, it's still in play for the home improvement contractors, mm-hmm. but it's not, uh, not moving for the new home builders. Fair enough. No problem. I just wanted to ask that. So as we kind of wrap this up, I, I just always like to ask uh, all my guests to kind of give me their top three. So if, if I would say to you, Hey, give me the, three top reasons that HVAs are important and valid for membership and involvement by, and I'm going to say home builders because that's my, my audience. Uh, what would you say they are? Well, the first thing we touched on, and, and this is, it's kind of hard to sell this uh, actually, but the lobbying, the legislation, fighting the regulations at, at the local, which mm-hmm. we do, we fight them at the municipal level, at the state level and at the national level. But that's so behind the scenes and there's so few involved in it. In other words, you know, we have a government affairs committee, mm-hmm. but it's a, such a small number of the total number of members. And these guys are, are well in tune with their legislators. They know them on a personal level. We know who to talk to to get the things done. But it's truly why we exist. I mean, trade associations wouldn't be there if it wasn't for that particular function. So I, I think that's the most important thing, but it's the least talked about and, and, and it's not seen on a daily basis. Sure. Uh, but a, along the same lines as the legislative end, there, there is the, the, the building codes and the things that are adopted and are in place, codes and regulations that we can't fight. They're here. 
So then it becomes what you touched on earlier, education, training our members, keeping them abreast of these changes and, and helping them stay up with it. And I, I got to tell you, Brad, I, I've, I didn't mention earlier, but I was a, I, I am a licensed building code official as well. Oh, no. And <laughs> I, yeah, I spent, I spent a year out there uh, actually, you know, inspecting. Right. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it because I take it to a more of an educational level. I mm -hmm. talk with the guys and try to show them things uh, that they need to know. And there's no doubt about it. Members of my home builders association are so much more in tune with the codes than people who are not members uh, simply because they have that op opportunity to um, always be trained and be on top of what's coming out with, with trainings and things like that. Nice. And, um, you know, th those are the, the top reasons really I can think of is, is, you know, the legislation, the training and, and just staying on top of, uh, because we are a three tiered association, local, state and national, you're always going to be on top latest trends in technology, energy efficiency. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then of course there's always the networking that we talked about as well as a, a very important, uh, element to to what we are oh they often say uh, those who show up are the ones that are running stuff so you know if you <laughs> want to be involved get there and and um sure they're the ones that make the connections like you have with that bank and that one builder so always good hey jerry i want to thank you for coming on here today thank you for you know our long-standing relationship and you sharing your wisdom with us I'm sure my listeners are going to love that too and um you know, maybe I'll even bring you back sometime. We'll talk a little bit codes or something on that end too and pick your brain on that. Sure, anytime. You can tell that Jerry's family and my family have a long history. And I'm thankful for his knowledge and his honesty when it comes to discussing both the highlights and the struggles that his association faces every day. I'm certain I could have inserted any association leadership and I would have heard the same issues. This old world continues to evolve, and all organizations need to continue to evolve with it or be left behind. So when it comes to builders' associations, make sure you get involved in your local one. Show up. Reap the benefits that membership provides to you. That does it for this week's episode of the Sticks and Bricks podcast. I'm Brad Hubbard. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep building a business that's as strong as your homes. Ooh.